Thank God the Lord rewards effort. Amen. And when we raise our hands and open our hearts to declare His greatness, what a blessing it is to us as the people of God. Look around you today. Can you give our folk a special, special welcome, especially those who are our guests today. Thank you so much for gracing our presence, for being with us in this, the house of the Lord. And we operate under one policy, and you guys are very familiar with what that is. That's when the Holy Spirit, amen, shows up that he has free course and liberty in the service. Praise God. So thank you so much for being here. I want to give a big hand of appreciation for all those who showed up on yesterday in the roadside cleanup project. Amen. Can we just celebrate those folks? Doing our part in community involvement. Can, can we give our groundskeepers a hand? Come on, here at the church. They do a fantastic job. Come on, amen, of beautifying our grounds here. Our, our band and praise team spend countless hours and, and time preparation for services such as this. And we honor God because the Lord has blessed us with this unique opportunity. To share this time together. Many prayer needs lie among us as a body of believers. I have a nephew um, who actually um, suffered a major heart attack on Friday afternoon. One artery was 100% blocked. Another artery 80% blocked. It is, it is by divine intervention. It is only because of the mercy of God that he is still here and I give God praise for that amen I give God praise for that do you know that as people we're going through some very high stressful times I believe that if you were to poll this audience that many of you would say that you are pressed on one hand or another and at times, some of you might even say that sometime I don't know whether I'm coming or going. But I, I want you to rest assured in one thing. And that is that God is still God. And that He is still in control of all the affairs that govern our lives and that govern our world. I don't want any of this to take you by surprise. But Jesus is coming soon. Can I get one witness? Jesus is coming soon. I heard a lady on my job say that one of the most common responses to a, a, a generic question today, it doesn't matter what it is, it can just be a generic question. And one of the most common responses is, what it is, what it is. I'm sure you've heard it. Many, many years ago, and some of you are older than I am in this room, don't kid yourself, some of you are older, older than I am, but Doris Day sang a song, Que Sera, Sera. You know what that means in Spanish? It means whatever will be, will be. Y'all are good at Spanish, y'all knew that. So nothing that's going on in the world right now takes God by surprise. And I thought about that this week as I 
surveyed the stresses and anxiety levels of the people of God. It's tough when the church is facing times of anxiety and stress. It's tough when the people of God are gripped by depression. Say, preacher, do you actually believe depression, depression is a real thing? Absolutely. I do believe it is a real issue. It's a real problem that oftentimes humans struggle with. But I do want you to know something. It didn't come from God. It didn't come from God. It came from the enemy. So if you'll stand and we glean from the word of the Lord today, I want to offer some encouragement to the body of Christ. Found in the writings of the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31, one verse, just one verse. Jeremiah 31 and verse 25. Everybody familiar with who Jeremiah was? Jeremiah was commonly known as the weeping prophet. Everybody know who Jeremiah prophesied to? Jeremiah prophesied to Judah, the southern kingdom, namely the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. Jeremiah prophesied during a period of about 40 years under the reign or leadership of five kings. Yeah, Jeremiah cried a lot. If you read the book, you'll understand why Jeremiah cried. Are you there? Jeremiah 31, 25. This is where the book takes a dramatic shift. How many needs a shift in your life right now? Come on, can I see the hand? Can I see the hand of the people of God who said, Lord, I just need a shift. I need a shift in my life. Lord, here and now, I've been through what I've been through for far too long. And I need a shift. In my life, Holy Ghost, breathe on your people, even right now. This is in the 31st chapter, Brother Anthony, around the 30th chapter, the book begins to shift. And it begins through the prophet to tell us. Brother Barnes, in spite of what the people of God have been through, that God's going to bring them back to a place of blessing. Can I tell somebody in this room today? Glory to God, it doesn't matter what you've been through, God still has a blessing waiting on you. Amen. Can I tell somebody that you, 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 listen, you think that you've lost everything, you've been separated from the people that you love, relationships torn apart, you feel isolated and abandoned. But God is saying, I have a blessing reserved. I wish somebody would just lift your hands right now and receive that in the name of the Lord. Because I feel the blessing of God being distributed among us as his children on today. Somebody came with a heavy heart. I heard the song say that he was a burden bearer. I heard the song say he was a heavy load sharer. Come on, saints of God. Somebody just need to raise both hands and say, God, I receive that that you're reserved for me in this moment. For you've ordained it. And nobody can keep me 
from what you have reserved for me. Come on, I wish you'd just receive that in the name of the Lord. Listen, this is where the book shifts. And in chapter 31, in verse number 25, God uses the prophet to pen these words. For I have satiated the weary soul, and I have replenished every sorrowful soul. That word satiated means filled. The word replenished means to make full or complete again. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you that the presence of the Holy Ghost has already transferred it into the lives of your children. And many are receiving blessings as we stand here right now in prayer. But Father, I pray that those whom are listening, those whom are viewing today by way of social media and technological advances, I pray, O oh God of heaven, that your word would be embedded in their hearts that they may receive what you have ordained for them in this hour. Send your healing touch right now. In Jesus' name, God's church said amen. Amen. I want to use a thought in your presence. Come what may. Come what may. A lot of people would look at the life of Jeremiah and they would immediately begin to think he was such a failure. Sister Gail, so many people would look over our lives and say that, oh, in the beginning we had high hopes, but we never accounted for much. A lot of people would look at us and say that uh, we never measured up to the standard. A lot of people, Brother Jacobs, would say that Jeremiah was a complete failure. But can I report to you that under the leadership of five kings and a ministry of over 40 years of prophesying, that when God looked at the prophet Jeremiah, God saw one of the greatest successes in the Bible. Are you listening to me, somebody? Somebody would say, well, how do you think, Pastor, that Jeremiah was successful then in the sight of God? Well, he was thrown into prison. There was one occasion he was thrown into a cistern to wallow around in all that mire and muck. He was rejected by everyone from his family and friends to his audience and even the leaders of his country, kings. Somebody said, well, it doesn't sound to me like that he was successful. I'll tell you why Jeremiah was successful. Because Jeremiah stood alone declaring messages of doom and weeping over the fate of his country. You see, God doesn't measure success the way that we do. Can I bless somebody today? Can I help you to know that God measures success by a person's faithfulness and by their obedience? The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, brother, amen, at an early age. Even when he was in his mother's womb, he was called of God to be a prophet to the nation. And how many of you know that when you've been called of God, you can't be rejected by anybody? How many of you know when the anointing of God, brother Eddie, is on your life, nobody can turn you down? It may look like it's going in the opposite direction. 
But the truth of the matter is, as long as you're on the divinely appointed, ordained path by God, failure is not an option. And you will succeed at every endeavor in spite of circumstances. What I love about the character of the prophet Jeremiah was that he understood the word persevere. Does anybody know what the word persevere means? Another word that's used interchangeably for the word persevere is the word endure. Got me? Paul told Timothy, endure the hardships of a good soldier. Persevere means to keep going in spite of the difficulties. Did Jeremiah keep going in spite of rejection? Yes, he did. Did Jeremiah keep going in spite of the heartache and heartbreak that it caused him to watch the impending doom of his own people? Well, you see, the truth of the matter is Jeremiah never thought about giving up. You say, whoa, 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 Pastor, wait a minute. There was at least one occasion Jeremiah said, I won't say nothing else even in the name of the Lord. Oh, I remember that all too well. But guess what happened? It was in an instant that the Spirit of God quickened him, and Jeremiah said, it's like fire. Shut up in my bones. So then do you think Jeremiah ever got discouraged? Well, sure he got discouraged, but did he ever give up? No, he never gave up. He persevered through the end. And that's what perseverance is. It's the opposite of giving up. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, perseverance is the opposite of giving up. There's so many things that could cause us today to lose heart. But there are two qualities that are encouraged for the life of every believer. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1 and verse 4. Somebody find in your Bible Romans chapter 5 and verse number 3. And then someone else, James chapter 1 and verse number 3. There's some qualities that God uh, wills that we would possess as his children. So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith. In all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. This is Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica. How about Romans chapter 5 and verse number 3? Romans chapter 5 and verse number 3. Praise the Lord. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation... Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Writing to the Christians at Rome. How about the half-brother of Jesus, James? What does he have to say about it? James says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Do you believe these are qualities we ought to possess as the people of God? God thought so himself. So whenever we persevere through difficulties and weariness, saints of God, we refuse to give up. We refuse to give up. And the Bible has a lot to say about perseverance in different contexts. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Have you ever planted a seed and it didn't come up? Will that cause you to get discouraged? Come on, saints of God. Help me, somebody. 
How about in the kingdom? Have you ever sown seeds and not reaped a harvest? Have you ever toiled in labor, in ministry for the cause of Christ and not seen the fruit of that labor? How about Noah who preached 120 years and not even one convert? You think he could have easily got discouraged? Without a doubt. How about Jeremiah ministering 40 years under five leaders in his own country? And never seeing the people of God make a change. You think Jeremiah could have got discouraged? There's not a doubt in my mind, but here's what I've determined. Amen. We got to keep sowing seeds. It's God's responsibility to bring the harvest. Can somebody say amen? This is what I love about Jesus when he was walking by the seashore. And he called those professional fishermen. And he said, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. Saints of God, they didn't understood, understand what Jesus said. But there was something in the way that Jesus spoke that they gravitated to him. Brother Greg, I heard people say, man, I don't mind catching fish now, preacher. I can't stand to bait that hook. And a lot of folks say, I, I, I like fishing, but man, I'd hate to clean them things. Well, you know what? If you catch them, God will clean them. Boy, that was real weak. If we're so worried that we're going to have to clean folk up when we do what God said and go out there and be a fisherman, we don't have to worry about that. I want to tell you the same thing that applies to that when it comes to sowing seed. If we sow seed, then it's God's responsibility to bring a harvest from what we have sown in faith. Don't take it personal. Don't get bent out of shape. Don't worry about it. If God said it, amen, he's big enough to honor his promise. So many people get discouraged. It's not up to us. I don't know a single person that doesn't want to, to succeed. I don't know anybody that doesn't want to be on top of the world. But the truth of the matter is there are certain things that have to be implemented for us to enjoy success. There are several factors that funnel into our inability to stay encouraged. Do you know that discouragement is the largest tool to set that the devil's got? Discouragement. But do you also know that it can be a refining tool to make us more like Jesus? You don't think people in the Bible got discouraged? Then I, I, I'm pretty certain that you haven't read much of the Bible. All of us feel unworthy. At times we feel hopeless. Even robbed of our joy. Oh my God, and then it ain't finished. It's not finished because how many know dis discouragement's got some friends? Did you guys know discouragement has friends? They are called names like anger, depression, doubt, and loneliness. But let me tell you something. Even the strong in the Lord face times of discouragement. Am I getting through to anybody? The Bible tells us about the great successor, the man of God, Elijah. Was Elijah a success in the eyes of God? Anybody know how many miracles God used him to do? Sixteen miracles. The man who followed him received the double portion. Anybody remember that? His name was Elisha. And we can count 32, which is... Double 
16. So he received what he asked God for. But did you ever know that Elijah got discouraged? Anybody remember the episode in the Word of God recorded in 1 Kings chapter number 18, somewhere between verses 20 and 40? Anybody know that at that time the prophets of Baal were walking around flexing their muscle? Robbie, they said, I'll tell you what we're going to do, a uh, uh, man of God. We've already killed all your friends, and you're the last man standing. Yeah, you're the last one standing. We've killed everybody else, so uh, we want to know now whose God is the real God. You all know what happened. Let me rehash the story for you. They journey on up on top of Mount Carmel. And, and, and the prophet Elisha says, hey, I'm going to give you boys first crack. Ain't that just like God? Hallelujah, somebody. I feel the Holy Spirit. Amen. God said, hey, man, Elijah, you just tell them we're going to give them first crack because whoever's God answers by fire, he's going to be the one true God. How many of y'all know that them boys said, okay, we're up for that. The challenge is, oh, it's on, buddy. We're up for that. So we're going we're gonna to take that challenge. And they prepared a sacrifice. And the man of God said, I'll tell you what I need you to do. I need you to, do, to dig a trench around that sacrifice. And when you dig a trench around that sacrifice, then I need you to soak it with water. Glory to God. He said, I need you to pour enough water on there that even the trench is full. And then I want you to call on your God. Anybody with me now? Listen, I don't need no help right here. God's driving this bus. I feel the unction to function right now, brother. Amen to God. The Bible said that them prophets begin to cry out. Oh, Baal, they begin to cry out, boy. And then the prophet of God, amen, when the Baal uh, gods wouldn't answer because nothing happened to the sacrifice, then oh, Elijah even poked fun of them. In the 21st century, Sister Murders, he said, amen, or would have said, amen, he must be on vacation. Baal must be up at the mountains or down at the beach. Come on, somebody. Pastor Clark would say when church, first one in church on Sunday, he said they up or down. I said up or down. Oh, yeah, boy, they up at the mountains or down at the beach. Amen. So what, what was the prophet of God saying? I believe they're vacationing somewhere. I believe that Baal has turned a deaf ear, and he can't hear your cries. But the Bible said, oh, glory to God, when that was over and they'd had their shot, then the man of God began to call on the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, somebody. And the Bible said, help me, Lord. Amen. The fire of God came down. When that fire came down, not only did it consume the sacrifice, but it licked up the water that was in the trench. I want you to know then that them prophets said, amen, the God of Elijah is the God of Israel. Come on, y'all. You don't even respond to that like you believe it ever happened. But it's a fact. It happened in the Bible. The word of the living God. So would it be safe to say that Elijah defeated that day the prophets of Baal? He did. But guess what happened? He got a death threat from Jezebel. Oh, Lord. I said he got a death threat from Jezebel and ran for his life. One translation of the Bible said he ran out there and sat down under a broom tree. You know how long it had been and it hadn't rained in the land? But the Bible said after the prophet defeated those, those prophets on Mount Carmel, that he said, I look and I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I need to tell you it's getting ready to rain on your soul. 
I don't know who needs to receive that, but I need to tell you today, I see a cloud making up, and God is about to rain on your situation. Yeah, he ran because he had a death threat from Jezebel. So let me tell you something. Discouragement is the opposite of encouragement. Am I right? But when the enemy comes to discourage us, it's God who has a solution. You say, preacher, can you help me? Yes, let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 11. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. This is Paul's writing. So can we understand something as a body of believers today? That we are to pump each other up. That we, the body of Christ, the church, the redeemed of the Lord, we are to edify, Brother Bobby, one another. We would say, preacher, I don't have the luxury of walking hand in hand with Jesus and watching Jesus performed all the... No, but you're my brother. And these are your brothers. And these are your sisters. And we can edify. We can encourage. We can pump each other up in the Lord. When we're down, we can say a one encouraging word in the love of God. And it lifts the countenance of a fellow brother or a sister. You listen to me what I'm saying to you today. Amen. Brother Manny, this is why that Jesus... Called us out as the ecclesia, a called out assembly. And God helped somebody who said you don't need to go to church. Amen. If you don't need to go to church, Jesus wouldn't have gave his life for it. If you don't need to go to church, God wouldn't have sacrificed the blood of his son to erect the church. Amen. Where his presence dwells. That's right. And when we come here. We are encouraged of one another. Anybody ever faced a battle so fierce? Anybody ever faced a mountain so tall? Anybody ever stood before a valley so wide that you felt like you couldn't make it? You ain't all got to raise your hand at one time, but it would be nice if I knew I was talking to somebody in this room today. Anybody ever faced those things? You remember that story of the little engine that could? Anybody remember that? Boy, they loaded that poor little old train to the max. There just ain't no way that little old train gonna make it. The cargo was too heavy. His engine was too small. But thank God the little, little engine that could had what it took. And he started saying within himself, Brother Carlos, I think I can. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Once in a while, the Holy Ghost just needs to swoop over you and resuscitate you in the fire of God's presence. Amen. Resuscitate you, bring you back to life, help you know that you're not done yet, and you too will rise and say, I think I can make it. I believe with the help of God. I'm going to make it, y'all. I believe though the mountain is high and the valley is wide, I believe y'all I can make it am I talking to anybody in the household of faith today have you had to encourage yourself lately have you had to be your own cheerleader in the last few weeks 
My God from Zion, encouragement, it's the flip opposite of discouragement. The Bible said David came to that camp at Ziklag. He found his wives and children gone, and the camp burned in ruins. Oh, them men was ready to stone him. He went from a hero to a zero in a split second. But Sister Renee, the Bible said, David said, bring hither the linen ephod. I need to inquire of the Lord. Has anybody here at Harvest Church said in the face of adversity lately I'll just see what God's got to say about it and the Bible said David encouraged himself in the Lord Sometime, Brother Manny, there won't be no cheerleaders on the sidelines waving pom-poms or yelling two, four, six, eight, or, or who do we appreciate. But I, sometime, I can hear heaven saying, come on home. I, I can hear the voices of angels say, oh, you fought a good fight. You finished your course. You kept the faith. Now I got something laid up for you that you waited for your whole life. I would to God today somebody would help me in this place. That's right. Encourage yourself in the Lord. That's what happened to David. When the mountain's too high, the battle too fierce, the valley too dark, we often lose courage to continue. But we find throughout the scriptures that God commands his people to take courage. Take courage. Or this phrase, be of good cheer. You know what God was saying? What God was simply saying is, be bold and confident in the strength of the Lord. Courage is the ability to conquer fear. You know, where you, you know where you're familiar with that at. You're familiar with that cowardly lion on the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, courage. Yeah, right? I ain't, a, I, ain't a, I ain't afraid. I ain't afraid. Take courage. Be of good cheer. Didn't Jesus say, I've overcome the world? So how many they ought to be rejoicing? Instead of being discouraged. Do you know that God knew that Joshua would face some big battles? Hello, can somebody help me? Do you know that God knew that before he appointed Joshua? That Joshua would face some big battles. So didn't you think it was right, Sister Mert, that God would start Joshua off on the right foot? Do you think he would call him in? And he would say to him in Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 9. Now you tell me this wouldn't pump you up. You tell me as as uncertain as you might be that if God called you in and set you in front of him then brother Ocean as he uttered these words you don't tell me you, you couldn't bounce out there thinking you could take on hell with a water gun have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage do not be afraid nor dismayed this is the part right here. They'd had to have ushers coming in and help me out of the place. For the Lord your God is with you 
wherever you go. I probably would have said. I'm just saying. It's just something powerful to know that God is with you. Isn't that right? So do you think that prior to that God knew Joshua would face some big battles? Do you think God knew just the right things to say? And how to encourage Joshua in his success to lead the nation of Israel? That's what I believe with all my heart. You know, on one occasion, he told Joshua, he said, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. I don't even know if I could physically do a cartwheel. But I believe that in the spirit, I'd have done a few of them. Just understanding what God said. Saints of God, the key to overcoming discouragement is to remember God's promises. Not only do we need to remember them, we need to apply them. Right? Not only do we need to remember them, but we need to apply them. You know that many saints of God died and never saw the fulfillment of God's plan? You say, okay, I'm ready for you to fix this one. Well, let's look at Hebrews chapter number 11, verses 13 through 16. Hebrews 11, 13, 16. See, the Bible, God is always covering the basis. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. Embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now, they desire a better. Ah, whoo, glory to God. They desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Huh, did you get that? Everybody know what Hebrews is? Hebrews is the, is the book of faith. Now, if you would back up in the preceding chapter, you would find many men and women of God never physically saw the fulfillment of God's promise in their natural life. Am I right? Did Moses get to go into the promised land? But do you believe that Moses sought heaven, which was something greater? Not only do I believe he sought heaven, but I believe he made it. Are you with me, somebody? Amen. So what's the Bible trying to tell us here? It's trying to tell us whether we see the fulfillment of God's promises in this life or not. That amen, even in our earthly lifetime, they are not fulfilled. It was in faith that these folks saw the distant home of heaven and eternity that they knew that God would fulfill all that he promised. All that he promised. That same knowledge that those who died in faith had, Paul had too. Anybody know what kind of life Paul had? Man, that fellow was beaten. He was rejected. He was persecuted. 
He was discouraged. But let me tell you something he never done. He never quit. Y'all ain't helping me. I said he never quit. Brother Carlos, were there times that he felt like throwing in the towel? Oh, there's not a doubt in my human mind. But the scripture never records that he abandoned his divine call, his ordained appointment, that he followed it through to the end. And even under Nero's leadership, when his head was chopped off, he was still trusting in the reality of heaven. Are you with me? Say, Pastor, are there more factors? Well, yes. There are more factors. How about pride? Is pride one of those factors that can keep us from the blessed place in God? Yes, it is. Well, you say, Pastor, I'm not even sure if I know what you're talking about. I'm talking about that deep satisfaction that one derives from their own achievements. You know, you've seen those folks who thought that they attained everything they have in life on their own. You saw those folks that who relished in their pedigree. You must not know who I am. You never seen those folks? Wow. You just hadn't lived long enough. You live long enough, you will. You'll run into some entitled people too. If you live long enough, those folk who think the whole world owes them something for being here. Oh, my somebody. Oh, man. Can I bless you? But I want to tell you what pride really is. This is the biblical definition of the word pride. It is taking the glory that belongs exclusively to God and placing it on your self-value. That's what pride is. Brother Rob, you think that's why God hates pride so much? Without a doubt. Brother Greg, I've heard scholars, scholars say that pride was the root of all other sin. Pride. So you might ask me today, why is pride so sinful? You ain't never been proud? Well, of course. Who hasn't? You're a human being. You haven't found fulfillment in accomplishments. You haven't found fulfillment in, in, in the lives of your children, your grandchildren. All of us would have to be honest in this room if we say, of course, we have. But we haven't gone overboard with it. It can be used in a terribly negative way. In other words, Brother Steve, if we would take the responsibility of, of saying that the success that our families have enjoyed was solely based on the person of who we are and not on who God is. Now that would be taking it too far. I look at families and I see lives that are so successful and I just thank God for that. Because of whether we realize this or not, everything we are and all that we have came from God. Everything. That's from our million dollar homes to our hundred thousand dollar cars. It all came from God. 
Oh, that's better preaching than you're responding. Let me tell you something. It's a pretty scary thing to get on that side of God. You know who got on that side of God? The Edomites. They got on that side of God. Everybody know who the Edomites descended from? They descended from Esau, Jacob's brother. And the scriptures tell us that the Edomites refused the people of God's safe passage through their territory. And as a matter of fact, they even made fun of them when other peoples gained an advantage over them. How many know that don't sit too well with God? It doesn't sit too well with God. Honey, let's look at Obadiah chapter number 1 and verse number 3. Do you know that God judges those who bring harm to his people? I said God judges those. Obadiah chapter number 1, it's only one chapter in the book, verse number 3. The pride of your heart has deceived you. For you who dwell in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, you say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? You didn't need a megaphone for God to hear that. Because that right there screams pride. That right there, Sister Teresa says, hey, show us them, big guy. Because we are dwelling in the safety of our fortified city, Petra. Petra was cut out of solid rock. It is still one of the marvels of the known world to this day. It had a narrow entranceway, and the Edomites, Brother Anthony, thought that they were impregnable. They thought there's no way we can be captured. There's no way we can be broken into. We're good. But God used the prophet Obadiah. To tell the Edomites, God is going to bring you down. Are you with me, saints of God? So you don't think that pride is significant with God? Some scholars say that Proverbs chapter number 6, verses 16 and 17 is God's hate list. You get that? Some scholars say those two verses are God's hate list. The Bible tells us that there are some things that are abomination. And pride is right at the top. But look what he says in Proverbs 16 and 18. Pride goes before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. So what's God telling us about pride? He's going to bring it down. Not only does he loathe and detest it, but he hates it. And he will bring it down. Don't be like the Edomites who perceived, amen, as their strength would become their downfall. Don't be like those folk. Don't say, hey, we live in this fortified city that's cut from the cleft of the rock. We've only got one little narrow passageway for anybody to access us. So there's no way that we're going to be conquered and no way that we're going to be broken into. But it was God, amen, who showed them, I will bring you down. God brought them down. The musicians are coming. 
God brought them down. I want to tell you, saints of God, the Bible is consistently and clearly denouncing pride. It involves placing one's own reasoning powers above God's revelation. I can't say it more bluntly that God hates pride. He hates pride. You know why God hates pride? Because pride takes the glory that's reserved exclusively to God and turns it on us as individuals to improve our self-worth. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 7. 1 Corinthians 4 and 7, this is what the Bible tells us. The Bible says, for who makes you differ from another? What do you have that you did not receive? Now if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? This is, this is God using the man of God, Paul, to talk about being proud. Don't walk around boasting in who you are and what you've done and all that you have as if you attained it on your own. Because where did it come from? Didn't the Bible tell us every good and perfect gift comes from God? Do you know that if God didn't make breathing automatic, you'd be dead? Something we take for granted every day of our lives. That if God didn't create our bodies to have a rhythm, and that He didn't create our lungs to respond to taking on and expelling air, that we could die. Don't take life for granted. Life comes from God. He's the giver and sustainer of all living things. Everything we have comes from Him. Pride is hated by God because it steals God's glory. Is that the truth? I don't need to remind you what Pastor Roy said that gentleman said in the barbershop, do I? Listen, I accomplished everything I have in life on my own. I'm a self-made man. The Bible says, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. That man said, I left from around this poor nothing of a county. And I succeeded in business, and I made it for myself. I am somebody. Preacher Roy said, man, that lump swelled up my neck. I said, I know who you are. Man said, you don't know me, sir. Preacher said, yes, I do. I just read across your name in the Bible the other day. Guy jumps up and said, well, what's my name? Preacher said, you are a fool. <laughs> sir... The Bible said in Psalm 14, the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. Isn't that the word of the Lord? That's the word of God. I don't care what you think you've accomplished on your own. If not for the blessing of God flowing in your undeserving life, you'd be less than a nothing that you already are. Yeah, I said it and I'm not going to take it back. 
And any person that won't acknowledge that God is the sovereign, eternal creator of the ends of the earth is not dealing with a full deck. You're a bubble shy of being level, brother. You're a brick shy of a load. Something's wrong when you can't acknowledge God. I made it on my own. I don't need God. Let's see how that fares in eternity. When your name's not found written in the book. Then I hear this out of Christian people all the time. I hear it so much, I think we've adopted the mentality of the world. I'm burnt out. Anybody ever heard the word burnt out? I'm burnt out. Anybody know what it means? Burnout is a state of emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion caused by excessive and or prolonged stress. Say, help us here, preacher. I'm trying. I'm trying to help us. Scripture exhorts us as believers that when we're on our God-ordained paths, Scripture exhorts us to never give up. Scripture encourages us to know that quitting, Sister Gail, is not an option. Don't give up. But I'm burnt out. Pastor, I'm, Pastor, I'm burnt out. Well, if we, set, if we will set healthy boundaries, we will avoid the problem of burnout. And stop adopting these new words and phrases that float around. It doesn't have to apply to us as the people of God. Are you with me? Let's look at Galatians 5 and 1. Galatians 5 and 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Philippians 4 and 1, honey. Therefore, my beloved and long-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Revelation 3 and 10. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Is God encouraging us to hold on? Is God encouraging us to never let up? Is God encouraging us to never quit? That's what God is encouraging us to do. I want to tell you that despite the fierce opposition of Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, I want to tell you that Nehemiah never come down off that wall. How many Nehemiahs have I got in the room today? You know what Nehemiah chapter number 6 and verse 3 said? So I sent messenger to them saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Amen. There's several people who are trying to throw you off your axis. There's several people who are trying to distract you from the blessed place of God. They want to deter you long enough Amen. To get you off your divinely appointed mission. But here's what Nehemiah said. I'm doing a good work and I'm not coming down. Doing a good work. How about Brother Caleb? When they sent those 12 spies out to view that land of promise, they were outnumbered. Joshua and Caleb came back saying, oh yeah, I think it's a done deal. We can take the land. Brother Dwayne, them ten boys said, man, we look like grasshoppers on the side of those fellas. We can't take them boys. Hey, they brought back a tag of grapes so big they had to put it on a pole. 
and two men carry it. But they said, it's impossible. Forty years in the desert wandering, 45 more years of ellipse, and the next thing you know, Caleb's standing there before that mountain, 85 years old, and saying, I don't care, Sister Tiffany, how many giants are in that land. I don't care how many cities there are fortified. I'm able, I'm willing, I'm strong enough, amen, to take my mountain. How many today believe in the presence and power of God that you are enabled and capable today of ascending up your mountain and taking it for the glory of God? God. Amen. Caleb was 85 and he didn't quit. He didn't give up. Somebody said, well, Caleb was different than we are. You're exactly right because the Bible tells us in Numbers 14 and 24 that boy had a different spirit. He had a different spirit. I just need you to know that the people of God that you too have a different spirit. Caleb's spirit was filled with passion for God. And he followed God wholeheartedly. Burnout is often the result of self-reliance. And if we're dependent on anyone else but God, then no wonder we feel that we're burnt out. I want to leave a statistic with you. I know this is going to bless you. I read this in USA Today. This was in, uh, I believe, in May of 2019. Listen to this real careful. In a USA Today article, May 2019, the World Health Organization. Anybody know who the WHO is? It's not a rock band. Anybody know who the WHO is? The WHO is the World Health Organization. They're a specialized agency of the United Nations who are held responsible for the international public health of all people. All right? And in May of 2019, the World Health Organization made workplace burnout an official diagnosis. They, they said, <laughs> Brother Anthony, you're working too hard. This is the World Health Organization. Stand with me, would you? They said, you're working too hard. Not only you're working too hard, but you're working longer than people ever have before. How many know the day that that depends on who you ask? You go to a job today and work eight hours, ten hours, Brother Kurt, you know, people say, hey, I, I've done my thing. But how many remember when you used to have to get up about 3.30 in the morning and take out a barn of tobacco just so you could put a barn of tobacco in? I kind of get a witness in this room. So then I would say that we would, we would beg to differ with the, with the WHO and we'd say, hey, Jack, I don't know where you've been, but ain't no way in the world people are working harder and longer today than they did in the day that I grew up in. Oh, I knew I'd get some amens right there. In the famous words of an old preacher, have I any witnesses in this house? Can I get one? Amen. So I believe that it would depend on who you ask. On if people are working longer and harder. Work is a part of the human calling. Let me share that with you. Work is a part of the human calling. In Genesis chapter 2 and 15, God told Adam, to do what with that garden? Was he just to let it go? He said, you got to tend it and to keep it. Do we understand that that required work? That required work. So work is a part of the human calling. 
Amen. I want us to know today as the people of God that in order to persevere, we need to remain focused on Jesus. And as he encourages us in the gospel according to John, we need to stay connected to the vine. Why is that important in this end time, Pastor? Why is that important in this end time? Because to the Hebrews, the writer said, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at your neighbor say, Neighbor, by the grace of God, come what may, we're going to make it. Come on, I dare you today. Look at your neighbor. Neighbor, by the grace of God, come what may, we are going to make it. Now give the Lord praise like you know you already have. Come on, I said give him praise. I said give him praise. Give him praise, yeah. Like you know you already have. Oh, my. In my closing, let me say to you, the people of God, as sad as it is for me to admit this, that sometimes giving up is an indication that people were never true followers of Jesus. Are you listening? I said sometimes giving up is an indication that people were not true followers of Jesus. But those who have been truly born again will never renounce Jesus Christ. I believe as Paul was nearing his death, they may have even asked if he had any last words. I believe then it was when Paul uttered these words to young Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. I have fought a good fight. I finish my course. And I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness and not to me only, but to all who love him. Oh, God, all who have loved his appearing. Are you longing? Are you anticipating the appearing of Jesus Christ? Then I believe we too will be like Paul. And Paul lived for the ultimate prize. Friend of mine, the ultimate prize is to hear Jesus say, Well done. Give him praise. Hallelujah. If you need to come to the altar, the altar of God is open. And we trust today that the word of the Lord has encouraged you. We love you in the love of Jesus. Be mindful of our Wednesday evening Bible study in our fellowship hall 
at 7 p.m. And until the next appointed time, may the grace of God keep you from all harm and danger. Sister Doreen.